On Purim, we are told that we should drink until we don't know the difference between Mordechai and Haman. But really? Are we meant to get that drunk? Is that the mitzvah? In today's transformative daf, page 7 in Megillah, we discuss the idea of inviting the Hamans, those that we don't ordinarily get along with throughout the year, to our Purim feast, and having a lachaim or two, just enough so that we don't distinguish between our best friends and those that we don't necessarily see eye to eye with. Welcome to the Transformative Duff with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today is Duff Zion, page 7 of Megillah. Rabbi and Rabbi Zerok celebrated their Purim feast together. In the midst of their rejoicing, they became intoxicated to the point that Rabbi arose and slaughtered Rabbi Zerok. The next day, Rabbi begged heaven for mercy and resurrected his friend. The following year, Rabbi said to Rabbi Zerok, Let us have our feast together again this Purim. My dear brother, Rabbi Zerok responded, shaking his head, You and I both know miracles do not happen every day. Continues the Gemara. And gifts to the poor. Rabbi Yosef taught, and of sending portions one to another means two portions to one person. And gifts to the poor means two gifts to two people. Rabbi Yehuda Nasiya sent to Rabbi Oshia the leg of a third-born calf and a jug of wine. Rabbi Oshia sent him a message. You have fulfilled two mitzvahs through us, our teacher. The mitzvah of sending portions one to another, and the mitzvah of gifts to the poor. Rabbi sent Mishloach Manot to Mari Barmar in the hands of Abiah, consisting of a sack full of dates and a cup full of roasted flour. Abiah said to him, Now Mari will say, even if a farmer becomes the king, the basket does not descend from his neck. Mari Barmar sent back to him a sack full of ginger and cup full of long peppers. Abiah said to him, The master will now say, I sent him sweet items and he sent me pungent ones. Abiah said, When I left the house of the master, I was already satiated. However, when I arrived there, they served me 60 plates of 60 kinds of cooked dishes, and I ate 60 portions from each of them. The last dish was called pot roast, and I wanted to chew the plate afterward. Abaya said this explains the popular saying, the poor man is hungry and does not know it. Alternatively, there's always room for dessert. Abaya bar Avin and Rabbi Hanina bar Avin would exchange their meals with each other. Rava said a person is obligated to become so intoxicated on Purim until he does not know the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. Rabba and Rabbi Zerah celebrated their Purim feast together, and as we began this story, this end was not the greatest. Nevertheless, he was resurrected, but the next year he would not come because miracles did not happen every day. Rava said a Purim feast that one ate at night did not fulfill his obligation. What is the reason? The Megillah states days of feasting and simcha. Rav Ashi was sitting before Rav Kahan and it grew dark and the sages had not come. Rav Ashi said to him, what is the reason that the sages did not come today? Rav Kahana answered, perhaps they are preoccupied with the Purim feast. Rav Ashi said to him, wasn't it possible for them to eat the feast at night? Rav Kahana said to him, didn't the master learn that which Rava said? A Purim feast that one ate at night did not fulfill his obligation. Rav Ashi said to him, did Rava say that? He said to him, yes. He then learned it from him 40 times until he remembered it so well that it seemed to him as if it were placed in his purse. Let's analyze this Kamara. What exactly happened between Rabba and Rabbi Zeir on that fateful Purim? The Maharsha explains he didn't literally kill him. It means that he pushed him to drink beyond his limits, placing his life in potential danger. 
We've all been in situations like this at some time or another. Our friends are drinking or engaging in other excessive behaviours, and we feel compelled to join in, pushing ourselves beyond our limits. We wake up the next morning full of regret, thinking, I can't believe I succumbed to the peer pressure. That's why the following year, Rebbe Zera gently declined the invitation. But if we look in, at the entire context of the Gemara in which this strange story appears, an alternative idea begins to emerge. On Purim, we have four special M mitzvahs. Megillah, Matanos Le'ev Yonim, the gifts to the poor, Mishloach Manos, the gifts to our friends, and Mishta, the feast. The Gemara begins by teaching that one must send generous gifts to the poor on Purim so that they too can celebrate in style. The Gemara then transitions to Mishloach Manos, offering a story where both mitzvahs were fulfilled simultaneously. After that, the Gemara offers other examples of rabbis who sent Mishloach Manos to their friends on Purim. The next transition in the Gemara is to the Purim feast. And the Gemara tells us that the two rabbis exchanged their meals on Purim, suggesting that they were thereby able to fulfill both the mitzvahs of Mishloach Manos and Mishter. But then Rava comments that one should drink on Purim until he doesn't know the difference between Mordechai and Haman. At first blush, it would seem to be quite a dangerous level of intoxication. And indeed, the subsequent story of Rabbah and Rabbi Zerah would support that understanding. But then Rabbah's next teaching appears unrelated. Rabbah teaches that one doesn't fulfill one's Mishta obligation at night. And the Gemara tells the story of how long it took to drill down this idea of the right way to fulfill the mitzvah. It had to be repeated 40 times. Let's re-examine Rabbah's two lessons in light of the preceding narrative in the Gemara. When the miracle of Purim happened, Mordechai and Esther instituted a number of practices that would connect Jews in unity. Looking at the order of the Gemara, the first was gifts to the poor, the second was gifts to friends, and the third was to feast with one another. But with whom? Rava teaches that the feasting should strive for a situation where one does not distinguish between Mordechai and Haman. Perhaps he is impressing upon us that an important aim of the Purim festivities is to find people with whom to celebrate that we wouldn't ordinarily spend Shabbos and Yom Tov with. When we're simply drinking with friends, we run the risk of letting ourselves go beyond the limits of appropriate simcha. When we have people at the table who are not our best friends, we tend to be more cautious and avoid the type of excessive unruliness that Rabbah and Rabbi Zeira experienced. And so Rabbah's next teaching is that we don't feast at night, because the Megillah says days of feasting and simcha. True simcha doesn't mean letting ourselves go to the point where we will lose control of our behavior. The Purim feast should be a religious celebration replete with simcha, divrei tara, and demonstrations of brotherly love with those whom we might not ordinarily celebrate the rest of the year. Yes, we drink a little more than usual because we've invited people who aren't our best friends and with whom we might need a little extra help to break the ice and take the edge off any previous occasions when we didn't see eye to eye. But it shouldn't be a nighttime celebration. It's tempting to drink oneself to a level where you don't care what you say or do. If the purpose is to resolve differences and create a greater sense of Jewish unity, you can drink, but you must still maintain an appropriate level of awareness. You're tipsy enough to break down any barriers, but still completely aware and proud of your actions the next morning. The bottom line is that the Purim Feast has a special and unique purpose. It's the one day you should invite people who might not have been the most gracious to you during the past year. You might even feel that they've acted a little Haman-like toward you. But it's Purim, the festival of Jewish unity in the face of adversity. 
The goal and challenge is to invite someone to your table who will allow you to feast until you don't differentiate between the Mordechais and Hamans in your life. And with God's help, maybe by the conclusion of the meal, with the help of a couple of Lachaims, you'll have put any prior issues behind you and you'll no longer view them as Haman characters. It's not an easy task. We all have people we'd rather not bump into at someone else's home, and certainly the last thing we'd want to do is invite them over to our own homes for Purim. It's much simpler to invite our close friends with whom we spend the other Yom Tovim. But that misses the point and lowers the drinking from Simcha Shel Mitzvah to an exercise in self-indulgence. May you accept the challenge to drink until you do not distinguish between Mordechai and Haman, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.